Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The ensuing show will change, transform, and otherwise alter you. Good luck. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too, and I'll be right there behind you. Greetings, constant listeners. What you're about to hear is losers Mike Rothman, Jen Adams, and myself, Rockin' Randall, chatting with Lee Metzger, creator of Strawberry Spring, a new podcast adaptation of Stephen King's Night Shift short story. As we discuss in the episode, it's pretty much a whole new endeavor. Uh, Lee elaborated on King's original, he stretched it to eight episodes, and it's currently streaming or screaming wherever you get your podcasts. The cast includes Garrett Headland, Milo Ventimiglia, Sidney Sweeney, Ken Marino, and other people you've probably heard of. Enjoy the chat. It's a fun one. Lee, welcome to the Losers Club podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are uh, big fans of the audio drama and uh, very excited to talk about it today. It's interesting coming back to the story for us because we, you know, for the last five, oh my God, almost five years this January, we've been doing a chronological reread of Stephen King. So it's been a long time since we've talked about Night Shift and Strawberry Spring. And for yeah, us it was probably go, 2017, I think. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was like January. I think it was, I think we did the Night Shift stories maybe early February of 20, or maybe late February of 2017. So yeah. it's been a long time. So it was really cool to come back to this story. You know, I kind of just wanted to start from the beginning though, because, you know, sure. everyone, when it comes to Stephen King, has some sort of origin story. And I wanted <laughs> to hear yours. And, you know, what, what was the first time you've read Stephen King um, or even came across his works? Yeah, well, I mean, I think probably in high school, which is, uh, I would guess, almost everyone I know. Mm-hmm. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, high school, everyone's like, you know, especially when you start seeing horror movies, right? Yeah. Which is around that age. I have a, my brother's a little older than me. So um, my parents were very irresponsible and uh, <laughs> let him take me to horror movies way before I should have. So <laughs> They're like, just get him out of the house. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I think, you know, weirdly, I probably saw movies, you know, based on Stephen King material before I read the material yeah. itself, you know, because um, especially in like the 80s, uh, you know, I'm going to get all the, the timing of the movies chronologically wrong. Totally but, fine. <laughs> you know, it's like when you start seeing, you know, um, well, Firestarter was super early, you know, which mm-hmm. is not really as horror in the in the grand scheme yeah, of things. It's more sci-fi, I would say. Yeah, yeah but I'd say like probably like Pet Cemetery, um, The Shining, obviously. I definitely <laughs> saw The Shining before I ever read anything by Stephen King. Yeah. Because I was definitely, I was super young when I saw that. Uh, and that movie had a huge impact. I know he's not a big fan, but uh, <laughs> I can only speak for myself. Uh, it's it's a, an amazing film. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, getting exposed to movies and TV shows, really, because when I grew up, before you're ever reading these four or five thousand page books, 
it, you know, it's sort of like the uh, the gateway drug, right? You, yeah. You, you can see a movie in two hours and you go, oh, what's that? What's that based mm -hmm. on? Yeah. Um, but, but I think like, you know, uh, Shining, Pet Cemetery, um, were probably, you know, stick out as yeah. the, the first things. And I just, I reread a bunch of stuff when I was preparing to do this mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Hmm. Do what, which books were you reading? I mean, obviously Night Shift, but I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, for the, when I started looking at this, I looked at, uh, I reread Pet Cemetery mm -hmm. and uh, Salem's Lot. Oh, specifically. oh, perfect. Specifically, because, yeah. you know, it's trying to find a tone. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, know, there's a which... definite feel to Night Shift and Early King. I think kind of that it's encapsulated in the Night Shift stories. You know? Yeah, and then I've I've read... I've read more recent stuff, but that was more, those books were more for research. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've read, mm -hmm. uh, I read later in Billy Summers most recently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It's God, it's kind of crazy just how we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but it's like, you know, four, five decades in and he's still able to kick out a book like Billy Summers. It's pretty, <laughs> it's, yeah. I, it's, <laughs> I, we can talk a little bit about how, how the process has been through, but it is, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. He so writes, looking, he writes books is like the the way I you know go to the supermarket. Yeah, <laughs> he really does though, and that's most of the, some of the times that's how he writes them. Like they're just in his head like that way. He's just strolling, you know, pushing the yeah. you know the cart. Is down. it like a baseball game or something? That's true though. No, he, <laughs> yeah. he's always just he's just always coming up with stories. But so uh, Lee, your your resume, uh, you've got your hand in a lot of different things. I'm I'm curious, like how you sort of uh, you know what made you want to try your hand at an audio drama. Well, I like the fact that you guys honed in on Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Um, <laughs> that was Caffrey. My resume, <laughs> by the way. I'm not going to pat myself on the back, but I've produced over 400 hours of television. Um, and that's the that's the one you you like. You got it. You got it. By yeah. the way, that was the number one show on VH1. I'd like to put that out there. No, um, of course. Yeah, Caffrey so, is just obsessed with that. So it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, listen, I, I'll, I'll try and give you the, the quick uh, Reader's Digest version, right? So... Um, when I was growing up, no one said, when I get older, I'm going to make reality shows. You know, it just wasn't mm. in the zeitgeist. So uh, I came out to LA. I went to uh, AFI, got my master's in screenwriting, got out, wrote movies for about four years for the studios, um, for various producers and, and talent. And uh, you guys probably never heard this story before, but nothing got made. Um, <laughs> so, so I spent years doing that. And uh, in between picking up production gigs and just doing whatever you need to do to get by and uh, writing for MTV. So I started writing, directing things for MTV and which is cool. It's like the wild, wild west, you know, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so uh, by doing host copy and game shows, somebody I knew knew someone at Big Brother. I went in to write for that. Uh, I ended up not getting that job. But they asked me if I'd want to be a producer. So that started the journey of suddenly doing producing reality shows, which if you're working on hopefully good ones, you're telling stories at the end of the day, mm -hmm. you know, and if they're compelling enough, people watch. So, you know, I, I just went down that road and, and throughout that process of failing upwards, um, I managed <laughs> to uh, get other features option, get things into development. Uh, I ended up with an overall over Universal. I had um, written four or five pilots over there. One of them, well, two, Blumhouse got attached to two of them. One of them nice. got made into a pilot. Yeah. Um, and that was like a horror thriller. And, um, you know, along the time I had met Steven's agent and just started trying to wrap my head around, you know, what does it take to get one of these projects up and running? 
And cut to last year, uh, Jared Gutstadt uh, is friends of mine. I've known him for many, many years. He's also a composer. And he did a lot of music in a lot of the shows I worked on. He started this new podcast company called Audio Up. And we sat down for breakfast about a year ago. And he said, you know, true crime is huge in this space. Yeah. You should uh, bring me a true crime podcast. And I said, I don't, that's not what I do. I said, but um, I have my eye on the Stephen King <clears throat> short story that let me call Stephen's agent and let me see where their interests lie. Mm-hmm. And so, as you all might imagine, when you're trying to find rights to any Stephen King material, you know, most of the anything you've ever heard of or the big stories are taken. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they've been an option, J.J. Abrams or Spielberg, you know, somebody has that. Mm-hmm. And so it really does come down to what are the short stories? What are the things that maybe haven't been produced? And, you know, finding that needle in a haystack. Um, and I was, you know, totally drawn to Strawberry Spring. Um, I'm kind of one of those weird people who are into Jack the Ripper. I've been to Whitechapel. <laughs> I've done mm-hmm. the tour. And so, you know, as soon as, you know, there was some you know, conversations back forth that they would be open to it. Uh, Mm -hmm. They had never thought about it before. There was no template in Stephen's sort of business model of how to do that. Mm -hmm. It took quite a few months while they did research on their end of figuring out what does that look like for Stephen King podcast. Mm -hmm. And I just got very, very lucky. I, you know, had to submit um, treatments and an approach and how I would do it. And he approves everything personally. Um, Wow. I, I originally thought it goes through like, you know, I've, I've been in this a long time. So you, there's always an assistant who vets these things, but mm-hmm. he really does read the material. He signs off on, he signed off on every script. He signs off on every recorded podcast, um, wow. trailers, promotional material. So it, it all goes through that filter. Um, so, you know, I'm sure for quality control and make sure if the name's on it, it's going to have a certain, you know, uh, DNA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just started down that process a little, just under a year ago. Wow. And once I got through the, you know, jumping through some hoops, we got the approval to move forward. Then I wrote the scripts, those got approved. And as soon as those were approved, we were able to go out to casting. Um, and through that process, iHeart uh, bought it. And, uh, you know, we kind of got up and running with putting together the show. That's nice. wild. Yeah. Well, congrats, congrats on that, you know, because I, I can imagine red tape is not always fun, <laughs> to, <laughs> no, especially but, if, you're, if you're waiting around for people to approve things, too. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the nerve wracking part. It's like the, the process of approvals is just part of this business. Yeah. It's the it's the did I send something and you don't hear back and then, <laughs> you know, you start just like biting your nails going, did, did I blow it? Like yeah. I have uh-huh. one shot, you yeah. know, and then it's like you reread the documents 50 times. And, you know, he was an English teacher. So you're also like, want to make sure the commas in the right place, <laughs> so, you know, to put your best foot forward. You well, know, I was like going to approve this, but this semicolon. Totally. Right. I was afraid I was going to like get a grade on the, you know, the treatment. Oh my um, gosh, that's me. Every pitch I send. Every yeah. it, 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 that part was nerve wracking. I will say uh-huh. there's been two real, for me anyway, two nerve wracking periods. Once uh, when I sent the first round of scripts, um, I sweated that out. Yeah. For a couple mm-hmm. months while I was waiting for replies, and then when we a couple months, the- geez, that's yeah, that's a long time to wow. be in the waiting. Months. Yeah, to, to be anxious about that. Couple yeah. months, yeah. Uh-huh. And then uh, when we sent the first podcast, I knew he knew the material because he read the scripts, but I was just I didn't know how he would, you know, once he heard it, what his thoughts were going to be. Yeah, but so far so good. Knock on wood. We're a new episode <laughs> dropped today, so we're still moving. 
He was, uh, yeah. did you, I mean, you could have replied back, been like, you know, I got a great tune for you from the rock bottom <laughs> remainders <laughs> to, to put in the first uh, episode. <laughs> I, I would have used it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have to, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, I, a part of me imagines that he would really respond to this sort of, uh, telling because I mean, he grew up not just on comics, but on radio dramas and stuff mm-hmm. too. He writes about that in Don's Macabre about how much, uh, you know, those kind of old radio dramas with the creaky sound effects and, and, and all of that sort of thing was was influential. And and I feel like, you know, podcasts offer a really cool realm to tap back into the magic of those old radio shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to I can't speak for him, so I'm going to make the mm-hmm. assumption he was happy with it because we're you know, everything's moved forward at this point. Um, yeah, it's weird. Like when I first pitched it, you know, it, it didn't even occur to them that there was a whole nother way to you know share his material yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah. It, it clearly it became a, oh wait a minute yeah we can we can do that too um and i will venture to guess you know the podcast shockingly has only been out for two weeks i have no way of knowing but i'd be shocked if they haven't had more inquiries in the last two weeks yeah um it's i'll just throw it out there just because it's super exciting it went to number one yeah um in 32 countries that's oh, amazing. Wow. Yeah, we saw that on the fiction yeah. and drama charts and it's charted on the main charts, which I, I this is my first podcast. So I've been told now, like a lot of script, it doesn't really break through the main chart, mm-hmm. yeah. but we've managed to get pretty high on a lot of charts, uh, both domestic and international. But it's still at number one this morning on Spotify and Apple fiction and drama. It's incredible. Cool. Yeah. Which uh-huh. I, I will, you know, look, I know people see that name and they click. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to hope by we're episode four now that they clicked to check it out and now they're sticking around. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, like you're saying, it's itching that true crime, you know, genre in in addition to slap, putting on with Stephen King's name. It's, it's perfect. It's just such a brilliant match, especially for the audio drama, because mm. that is just I mean, you go through the, the charts and, and, you know, the offerings. They either I mean, it's either horror or the true crime that really hits big. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to get the, it's just a blockbuster mix right there. Um, mm-hmm. And also just the product's great. So, I mean, it's just, it's just you. you know, you're hitting every box there. Um, yeah. So congratulations on that one. And I, yeah, I can only imagine, yeah, you're, I, I can only imagine so many people just trying to knock on the door now <laughs> to, to, uh-huh. to get more of this. <laughs> we got, I, I mean, I, I will say very fortunate. We got an amazing cast. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, amazing. you have some really big names. How did that happen? Or what was the kind of the evolution of casting this? Uh, so it started with Garrett Headland. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jared from Audio Up had introduced me to Garrett. And we sat down and had a conversation. He, I sort of pitched him the story. We sent him some scripts and he was in. Um, and that was really it, right? So at least we, we had uh, someone to anchor this thing who is a well-known actor. It wasn't just mm-hmm. like you know, pulling people off the street. So we had Garrett and that was amazing. And then it's, uh, I'd have to, I'm going to have to think for a minute because it's been quite a few months. <laughs> um, the order, how we got people. So it was Garrett. Then, uh, well, Al Madrigal, who uh, plays Dean Edwards, he's a buddy of mine for mm-hmm. 15 years. Oh, very um, cool. And Al is awesome. And, you know, we've always kicked around ideas and stuff. And I was like, oh, Al would be great as sort of the frazzled, nervous, you know, the the sort of he's the mayor from Jaws. Right. So it's yeah. the, mm-hmm. the, the <laughs> dean trying to trying to keep it together and just wants to keep the campus open. Um, uh-huh. 
So, you know, I called Al and I was like, hey, I got this thing. And he's like, yeah, whatever you need. So that um, and then uh, Ken Marino is actually my neighbor. Uh, so oh, cool. fun. Love Ken. Yeah. He, so I was going to ask awesome. I was going to ask because you have Al and then you have Ken and they're both known primarily for comedy. And it's cool that I love hearing their voices in this world because I feel like it does add a touch of levity to like this, you know, very yeah. heavy sort of world. And I was curious how you found them. So it's fun, fun to hear those stories. Yeah. I mean, look, is as as with any project, it's all these things are relationships, you know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. a lot of it is anyway. And uh, so, yeah, I see Ken like three days a week watering the lawn or, you know, we're walking the dog. (laughs) So I was like, hey, man, but for me, I agree with you. Look, Al and Ken, um, what I love about their performances is they're known for comedy. And I think their timing uh, and Al plays it a little bit more heightened. But, you know, Al's comedic timing while delivering dramatic lines just adds a different element to it. Um, and he grabs your attention a little bit differently than just going through a straight drama and, and mm-hmm. Ken does too. So I think the two of those guys are really, for me, you know, sort of secret weapons in delivering, you know, the exposition and the concept of what's happening. Cause they're both at the center of everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those two characters were great. And then Sydney is actually, uh, Sydney and Breck are both at the same agency as Steven. Oh, perfect. So yeah. <laughs> that sort of, that started to work its way through the agency. And, um, you know, when I, they said, Hey, we'd love to get some talent in this thing. I said, great. Who do you got? And they brought their names up and those are no brainers. Um, and they were both amazing to work with and horizon is at the same agency as Milo and that's oh, same agency I'm wrapped at. So, mm-hmm. uh, it just sort of was getting favors from people, making phone calls. And then, you know, as is with any of these projects, once you get one name, it helps get another name once you know it starts to snowball uh-huh. and then you know look stephen king's name is obviously what opens the door for all of these actors mm-hmm. and actresses to say i'll take a look mm-hmm. yeah and then once they read the scripts they were they felt compelled to do it but mm-hmm. there's i'm never gonna not kid myself that people were interested in being part of the stephen king project uh-huh. uh, as opposed to a lee metzger project so, <laughs> <laughs> did any of were. them did any of them come out as big king heads to you or anything Everyone was really, Al was super excited. Yeah. Um, as I will say Milo uh, had a great story and Milo and Sydney both lost their minds when he put their names in the tweets. Uh, <laughs> they both reached out to me immediately. They're like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, about me. Milo called me, we had a phone call. I was like, you don't understand. You don't understand. Was, you know, me and my friends and we would, you know, read Stephen King books. And, then, you know, he's like, if you look at the time it was tweeted, that you know and like it was a whole thing. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh so you got really analytical with it that's great I love oh it. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> i mean every- i would do the exact same thing oh yeah yeah <laughs> i think we tweeted for- about our podcast once and we lost our minds yeah we, we did for, we, for a long time yeah we wouldn't <laughs> shut the fuck up <laughs> I, I get it everyone goes you know you you want a positive association with him mm. right so it's cool if he goes i like this and then yeah. you know for for them to get name checked is awesome but i, I think everybody i mean al on Steven's tweet when he tweeted about it, he actually tweeted back. It was like, by the way, I'm in it too. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, nice. I, I think everybody, you know, like I said, I saw Ken a couple of days ago. We, we see each other, but um, everyone's just super excited to be part of it. And I think mm-hmm. there's a weird thing. Like you go, well, he knows who I am. Right. So in myself, mm-hmm. like, I'm just like, Oh my God, he read my stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he read my interpretation of his work. So yeah, uh, it's a weird thing where you go every you know, like I'll I 
I've become a little OCD with checking the charts and podcasts and news briefs. And you go, oh shit, that's, that's up there. My name's on it. And my name's, yeah. you know, even it's a podcast forever associated with Stephen King in some weird way. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's sort of epic. Hello, this is Jason, co-host of the All 80s Movies Podcast, with a message from Factor Meals. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. I will... And I imagine there's this feeling of like wanting to do his work justice, you know, because I know like what he's written means a lot to me. And I would want to know that, you know, I I interpreted it the way that he intended or that he liked the the kind of swing that I took on it. And so I wanted to ask a little bit because you mentioned true crime and you've expanded the story significantly because it's a pretty it's one of my favorites in Night Shift, but it's a pretty contained story. So I just kind of wanted to ask, like, what was your approach when you were kind of amplifying the story and kind of adding to the true crime element of it um a lot of old fashions um, <laughs> a lot uh i mean i i think quite frankly when i first got permission i think i had an anxiety attack i was like oh. um, i didn't think it was gonna happen mm-hmm. and then they were like yeah go for it and then i went then like- i heart and audio up were like yeah we need um eight episodes <laughs> and i was like how long are they? <laughs> this is like uh, it's like Larry David uh, when he found out that he got Seinfeld approved, and he was just like, "Oh God, this <laughs> no, is actually no. this is yeah. actually happening." God damn it! <laughs> like, I have to do the work. I have that on almost every project I work on. There's yeah. a minute where Same. I'm psyched to get the gig, and then you take a step back. And go, oh, I have to deliver something. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, this is this was different because you know I'm I'm used to working in TV. And, you know, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors of visuals. There's all stuff like this. There's nothing to hide behind. Either I've delivered something that's worthy or I didn't. There's mm-hmm. I can't blame anyone else. You can't go, well, it wasn't shot right. And any of the performances or the like I'm overseeing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's all on me. But um, like I was mentioning earlier, I'm a sort of I have this whole idea for a Jack the Ripper story. Right. Mm-hmm. So been to white chapel i know that story backwards and forwards and then there's that sort of you know the mention of jack the ripper Uh in the short story so i was like okay if i could take the events of jack the ripper drop it into new sharon and sort of i took the timeline of the jack the ripper murders and laid it on top of the spring hill jack murders Mm. and that's that's what i did Mm-hmm. So if you followed, if you were to follow the timeline of the way the podcast lays out, it's following the exact same timeline of when events happen, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then the letters are a direct, you know, correlation to uh, the Dear Boss letters mm-hmm. um, and how those clues get sent. So that was sort of the, just the, the outline of it. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I need, I need structure in order to make this work. And then the nice thing about Strawberry Spring is it creates a a fake timeline Mm -hmm. um, and the King's story gives you a timeline. 
So, you know, it was taking as much, I mean, I, I don't think there was anything left behind from the original Strawberry Spring story. So I took all of that and just built an outline out of it and then just expanded uh, into how it would work. And then as we know, like the, the narrator's not even named. So mm-hmm. it was just starting to create characters. So I started thinking, well, if he's at a college and, you know, in, is in every, just about, I think every piece of sting material, there's a writer in there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to try and stay as true as I can to the DNA of Stephen King, I'll make him a writer. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so the obvious thing was to make him a journalist. So that's sort of where it all started. I was like, okay, I need to figure out who this character is. He's investigating. Why would someone investigate murders on campus? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're a journalist, you would. Mm-hmm. If you're a journalist, yeah. then you work with other people at the newspaper. Um, and so I just started to expand on that world. And then I, my favorite movie is Jaws. So I just started to think, well, Spring Hill Jack is the shark. Yeah. You know, what do you do? You've got to keep the campus open, right? You got to keep the beaches open. So <laughs> Yeah, I was like, okay, so now I used to have to create a world where all of these characters are trapped, sort of it's their own island. Um, and how do we trap them there and sort of create a problem of you can't get off the island until you catch Spring Hill Jack? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was sort of the idea. No, it's smart mm-hmm. too. I mean, especially pivoting to writers uh, and making a journalist is it, that's such a Kingian construct anyway. I mean, he's uh-huh. still do, he's still doing it now, even in his books. He's I think he's, <laughs> we always joke that he's got like sixty writers in his book in his like King's Dominion that are all well, like if it's not a writer, it's a, right, exactly. <laughs> and if yeah. he's not a writer, he's a teacher. So you've got that element covered too. Yeah, because read really later. Smart. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah we read uh-huh. later. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not a writer. Now it's an editor. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about um, the actual recording process. Uh, did the actors work individually? Did they work together or was it a mix of both? Uh, I wish. Um, yeah. Every... Tough with COVID. Yeah. Well, I think it's a combination COVID and these are real working actors. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, for the look, I'll, I'll take the upside of that all day long. But, mm-hmm. you know, Milo was in between seasons of This Is Us. Mm-hmm. Um, we grabbed Sydney. Um, I think it was before or after Euphoria. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, Horizon recorded from Oregon. She was on hiatus. Breck recorded from Texas. She was on hiatus from Stargirl. Um, Al recorded from his home. Uh, but he also has a million podcasts because he's got his company, All Things Comedy. So Al recorded, he's got a, you know, studio at his house. Uh, so, but in person, I had Sydney, Ken, Garrett, and Milo okay. um, as our leads. The, the, there's obviously a bunch of additional actors, but I'm just mm-hmm. talking about our leads. Uh, and then Breck, Horizon, and Al recorded from their homes. Oh, wow. so, but yeah, I mean, look, I, at first... Uh, audio up they've done some other scripted podcasts some of the things they, they gather everyone in a room and they go for it uh so this unfortunately couldn't be done that way and garrett was first up because he anchors everything yeah. and he was amazing uh we had a couple of very very long days with garrett but he is like a total pro and he nailed it but it was the challenge of once i had garrett in the can because he's in all eight episodes then as, as I started recording other actors, it was just trying to figure out in my head, because I was the only one who was tracking everything, was how do you make it feel like they're having conversations? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I think I feel pretty good about. It. I think for the most part, it's pretty successful. 
Um, yeah. The fact that you're asking makes me believe it was successful because you don't realize you're not in the same room at the <laughs> yeah, same time. Yeah, we had no clue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that was, I think for me, once we started, you know, every step of this process has been new for me. So once you go, okay, well, we've got a story, everyone's signed on. Then we go, oh, we're gonna do actors, we're gonna do one at a time. And then it was, in some cases, a week or two in between recording sessions. So for me, wow. it was just trying to keep track of where was the emotional intensity of that performance and making sure the person on the other end of the mic now matched it. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then also the tempo and the, the pacing and, you know, trying to, to manage all those performances. But I think for the most part, it works. It's worked out fairly well. Were you able yeah. to do uh, even just a read through at least with everyone before recording? Or was it really just piecemeal? Oh, wow. That's every actor I was able to have a conversation with mm -hmm. and talk about their character um and help them understand over the course of eight episodes what the arc was going to be and where we needed to start and where we needed to finish so as far as those sort of you know and and also listening to what they felt they wanted to bring to the table so as we sort of we had those conversations as soon as we got in the room i mean the difference about podcasting versus obviously performance the the reason why you can get people like garrett and milo and sydney is because the time constraints are very minimal mm -hmm. you, know, you get one or two sessions and you do everything Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's only so much time you can ask of them uh, respectfully. And then, you know, you just hope everyone comes in as prepared as you can. And, you know, some some scenes, we did multiple takes. Some scenes were like, we got that line, we can move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I know when there's big monologues, I know when it's a little more emotional. The stuff was a little more matter of fact. I felt like we could get those lines and then get into the bigger, you know, scenes where people really had to, you know, find something inside to, to deliver. Yeah. I mean, that sounds familiar, doesn't it, Randall? I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, because we, we tried our hand with audio dramas uh, this this uh, this year, uh, mostly because uh, one of my best friends, she produces a, a ton. And uh, I just knew that, you know, we, we did it as a lark first off, just because we were like, oh, let's just, you know, see if we could do this, let's, you know, and then we sent it to my my friend. She, you know, she produces audio dramas like on a day to day basis. And I didn't realize how like at what level she was going to go with it. So she like sent us back a clip and we were like, Oh shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> so this isn't a joke anymore. Now it's like a thing. <laughs> we got to figure out what we're doing here. Uh, but it was, I mean, it was definitely a learning experience. I mean, for us, we got, we had the fortunate sake of us being able to have a read through, but you know, even just speaking personally and doing lines, like it is, it is tough. Like there is a hard thing about it. Cause you're like, you kind of want to move when you're doing mm -hmm. things. So it's like, especially if there's action, scenes like it's really hard to just kind of sit there and be like hey watch out you know like uh -huh. <laughs> yeah no for sure i mean we would pause you know and i'd say okay so this is what's happening right now mm -hmm. you know or you're about to find a body or you know spoiler alert people find bodies in this podcast um <laughs> so you know it, it was sort of that and then just trying to get people it, the the challenging part is like okay you're running across campus so mm -hmm. when you arrive because they're not doing the foley work yeah. So it's like when you arrive, you're out of breath. Yeah. Right. So there, there's there's a scene where, you know, Milo, Milo's character, Kevin, is catching up to Garrett's character, Henry. And so, you know, he runs across the quad to catch up to him because he sees him through the fog. So you're like, OK, you just got there. You're you're out of breath. So it's like, OK, so, hey, you know, so I like that. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, it was making sure I was giving them those notes because otherwise the dialogue is just on the page. Right. Mm -hmm. That's true. 
Yeah, yeah and there's an amount when you're speaking of like physicality, especially when you're delivering lines, which is a little different than like the podcasting that we normally do where we're just talking about stuff. And so I imagine that it would take like a, a different type. Like you have to convey all of that with your voice, you know, which I think you got some phenomenal actors that can do that. Um, how did you approach the sound design of it aside from the lines in the script? So, um, as I mentioned, Jared comes from writing jingles uh, in his company. So we all of the score was done in house um, with Jared and a composer named Jeff Peters. So they mm. did the, they did the music, um, and then the sound design. There's a there's a dialogue editor, and then there's a sound designer. Mm. So um, the way that works is, you know, we took the best takes, cut that into the performance, and then we had a performance. Uh, his, his name is Jeremiah. So he put the, together the assembly and then it is literally like whole send me a cut. We do about, we've, we've streamlined it a little bit. I think the first episode, I probably did like seven passes of notes mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. And as a, again, coming from television, I'm very, very specific about how, how I do things. So mm -hmm. a little bit of that's a learning process. Um, a little bit of that is, you know, it's period. So there's, you know, police sirens. And then you go, mm -hmm. well, those aren't the police sirens from the 60s. Those are police yeah. sirens from today. So mm -hmm. suddenly you're looking and listening and catching things that you don't even think about until you hear it. Mm -hmm. um, there's some very cool Easter egg sound effects in there, which I will share with you guys. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of frequencies in there uh, when things happen. Uh, there is a, a hidden dog whistle when someone gets killed. Oh, interesting. So <laughs> I like that. Nice. If you were blasting this through your speakers and you have a dog in the room, you might go, why is my dog barking? Or why, is my <laughs> dog, why is my dog telling me something is bad? Nice. <laughs> like resurrect. So, I'm so going to try this. Yeah, this is going to be so I have it, dogs it, in my house all the time. It's going to depend on the quality of your speakers and sound system. Sure. Mm -hmm. Produce the frequency. Uh, but that is in there. So we mm -hmm. played around with trying to find ways to... Uh, there's a there's a frequency I think it's 19 megahertz called the fear frequency. I don't know if you guys have ever Ooh, come across that. 19. <laughs> oh, that so, is true. Yeah. On, on. Yes. Yeah, so we have uh, in certain parts the fear frequency is in there. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on in that sound design that's not exactly what you might realize mm -hmm. in order to make you feel hopefully if you're listening you know on your headset you feel a little uncomfortable yeah. um, when mm -hmm. the fog rolls in you don't know why but it should hopefully make you feel a little unsettled. So there are some things going on sort of above the typical sound spectrum that we're messing with in addition to what you hear. Mm -hmm. um, so we, I, I really try to put as much thought into, you know, not only conveying the performance, but a mood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you listen to it, you get a sense of what yeah. it is because there's no visual. So, mm -hmm. and fog, unfortunately, of all the things, does not really have a sound. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. Right. So, it's not like rain or fire. It's just there. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, we were just right. trying to find a way to hopefully make you feel, you know, a little off balance when you listen. I like the idea that uh, the show potentially could turn like all dogs into Cujos across the <laughs> which is cool it's a it's definitely it's a cool uh, you know kingian construct there I and like if that. someone gets bit while listening to this podcast that i would like to put a disclaimer out there yeah it is like maybe cell not, i was I, thinking about that too yeah maybe that's not there and your dog is just rabid that's true right. that is true <laughs> uh well 
I mean, I, I this is kind of a nerdy question, um, but it's from our archivist uh, Brian Burnett, and he because he collects <laughs> everything King, and uh, and look, it's not that nerdy. I, I think it's great. Um, <laughs> do you have any plans for a physical release for this when it's all done? Because um, I know a lot of you know constant readers and constant listeners out there. They love putting stuff on their shelves. So mm-hmm. um, I'm wondering if there's any plans to make a CD or something like that down the road. Uh, we're, we ju- it's funny you mentioned that because after it, I had no expectations of what was going to happen. Um, I will tell you that I was just like, I was happy it got made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was like, within 24 hours, it was number two on yeah. the US. So I was already like, what is happening? And then by 48 hours, it sort of skyrocketed. It's still number one um, on those charts. So I think like anything else, once you work on a project and you go, oh, wait a minute, there's an audience. Yes, there's there's some conversations. I mean, everything has to uh, run through, you know, Stephen's team. And Stephen, what I would love to see personally, I'd love to see it be like a vinyl album. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I like that. On red vinyl, of course. Yeah, um, I, I would love to see that. I think to your point to, you know, like I've got uh, it, but since we brought up, you know, later in Billy Summers, those are the most recent ones. I've got the hard copies of those books, right? They're mm-hmm. not downloaded. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things you buy, you put it up on your shelf after you read it. So totally agree. I mean, I think in a perfect world, it would be amazing to be able to, I could see that artwork sitting on a shelf. I live in LA. So like Amoeba Records or, you know, yeah. it would it would look great amongst the latest Billie Eilish album. You know, it would. It seriously <laughs> would. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that would be that would, for me, my two cents. That would be awesome. But it's only been out two weeks. <laughs> yeah. As shocking as that is. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I think, you know, we're starting to talk about what possibilities there could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, along the ideas of possibilities, if you could adapt another Stephen King story, whether it be a short, a novel, whatever, are there any that come to mind? Anything that, that you'd love to think could fit the audio format? You know, I, I, it's tricky because I also know you can't get your hands on a lot. Of yeah. So many mm-hmm. of them are scooped yeah, up. I, I can't, it's hard for me to answer that without knowing what's available because you know, there's certain stories I think would be super cool, but you're like, oh, that's already a movie. That's already this. That's all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. I think maybe Bag of Bones could be cool yeah. um, <laughs> to do that differently. I know it was a, you know, miniseries. Um, I do think later is interesting. And I just mentioned, because I just finished it like recently, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's all done from the point of view of the kid. Yeah. Um, so that could be cool. I do think after going through this, it is finding something that's done in first person, I think lends itself better. Totally. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that that it would be finding, it'd be looking at other material that he has that you know, it's already hard enough to figure out how to move it over to a podcast. Mm-hmm. So I think when you have a first person narrator, um, it helps start that pro, at least for me, like yeah. how do you wrap your head around what it is. So at least when you've got someone helping you find a way into the story, um and obviously later does that in a really cool way and and mm-hmm. it might be cool to hear a ghost story or i don't know what would you would classify that and i think it's a ghost story right <laughs> yeah, yeah oh so. no it totally yeah. is it's a lot yeah. of things but yeah yeah but i think you know, hearing a ghost story from the point of view of a kid could be pretty interesting yeah um, definitely so i don't know I, i've been 
trust me, in the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking about that. Mm -hmm. um, like, what would be a really cool story to tell if I can do another one? Um, I just don't know what's available, really, in, mm -hmm. in the, the canon. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I'd have to think. But I think I would start with what are done in first person. I mean, I'm certainly not going to do a podcast for four hours where we lock someone in a porta potty. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That, that would be uh, challenging. That would be, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. A lot of gross sound effects in that one, too. Uh, yeah, lots of squelching. How about, why don't you tell me, what would you like to, what would you like to hear? How about well, that? I was going to ask, Jen, what is that story? I remember you mentioned once, it's like all dialogue, I think. Um, um there's a sorry right number i think that's sorry is, right number wrong yeah. it could be wrong number that's <laughs> that's scripted i believe um and you would have to pick one where it's not very action heavy and description heavy also because you have to have like a character who is talking you through things rather than like seeing things where you would have to figure out a way to do it i you know i'm a sucker for mrs todd shortcut that's yeah one of my favorite so i always throw that one out there but i could see how that might be a little bit like that depends really heavily on visuals i think and then there's always grandma which i love too but yeah yeah i know it's, it's a challenging medium to it try really to, is you know to adapt for yeah 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 i mean i think especially because his material is pretty visual you know mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. i couldn't imagine i don't know i'd have i'd have to i've been i've been so bogged down with this since it came out mm -hmm. that i've given it a little bit of thought but you know I don't know. I mean, I'd have to really, really focus on what I learned from this process. Yeah. Because that's yeah, the other it's... part of it. I learned a lot. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't say there's mistakes, but I'd say, you know, not repeating things that I think I could have done better. So mm -hmm. it'd be, yeah. it would be finding a way to improve on what we just did. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I do believe that finding the right source material is probably 50% of the battle yeah. with mm -hmm. giving yourself a, a chance to succeed. Right. And it's such an emerging medium, too. I feel like it would there would have to be a lot of kind of experimentation. You know, when you're adapting film and TV, like there's a huge trove of examples that you can look at and either do something similar or go in a different direction. And audio drama just doesn't have as many, you know, unless you're going all the way back to before TV. You know, yeah. So. Yeah. Fun. I mean, there's yeah. it, the funny thing is there's no limitations, realistically. Mm -hmm. But I think mm -hmm. because there's no limitations, you have to wrap your head around you're, you have to create your own limitation. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, there's only so many sound effects in the world. And mm -hmm. and you, I, I think what I learned during this process, you don't, you have to make it to where anyone can listen to it and follow. You can't make the assumption people can visualize what they're hearing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really yep. kind of, it's finding that balance of what do I think is working and will that translate to a lot of people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I will say, given, you know, the the first run and uh the limitations that are already there I, a hell of a grand slam debut uh -huh. i would say you. you know um something to be really proud of and clearly something to keep watching um because it's not over yet we've still got many episodes and you look you, you the charts are still coming in and i you know you mentioned being OCD about the charts, that's not, that's probably never going to go away when it comes in the podcast <laughs> medium because yeah. it's so upset. I get so obsessive with it because it just keeps coming in at like it, the real time metrics are just so fascinating to watch and especially like habits. Like I'll see like hour by hour and like some people will be like four in the morning, like at some places where I'm just like, all right, it is four in the morning. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, what are you doing listening to? Like, <laughs> like I, what are you, what are you... <laughs> um, I will tell you, 
I was very um, I was very upset that uh, we never got to number one fiction in Germany. I don't know what's going on. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> Get Not it yet. together, Germany. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I'm I'm German. Come on. <laughs> that should Where's count my for people something. at? They, they uh, were, we got to number two. What's yeah. Oh. I'm trying to think of like a good German uh, like based uh, Stephen King story. I can't think of any. Off the I don't think he's got any. There's some translations. Maybe they're waiting to bend. Well, there's like I, a German yeah, word for you waiting could, to bend. You could throw down apt pupil. Technically, mm. there's a, a hint of it there, right? Ah, that is yes. true. That is true. For different reasons, obviously. But, um, you yeah, know, man, look. I think apt <laughs> pupil could be a really cool. That would be a really good Ooh. one. Yeah. yeah. I love that, that story. Be, actually. That would be. Yeah. Yeah. I got to go. I got to make a phone call. <laughs> well, no, look, I, I think um, it, it is a it's a weird thing. And again, I've, I've been in this business a while. So anytime you release anything, you yeah. know, you're constantly checking and seeing. I, I will say I've, I this is the first time I've ever looked at reviews and taken them personally. So <laughs> I'm going to stop that. Yeah, do, don't do that. We do. We, we, have a, <laughs> we have a we have a restriction on us not or trying not to read every, you know, I, go every yeah, three like months. I read like the first ones were positive and then there was a bunch of positive ones and then you just get one negative one. I, the one thing I couldn't figure out is like, who takes time out of their day? <laughs> I know. Just go, uh-huh. Good question. Let me just mm-hmm. shit all over uh, what you just worked on oh, for the yeah. last 10 months. Right. Yeah. I yeah. don't ever understand that. Yeah. yeah I don't we have, get it. It's like if you don't like it, just don't like it. Don't listen. I know. It's, you don't have to listen. It's, like, it's, what is the point of trying to tell other people not to listen? Like, yeah. It's yeah. that I don't get. And yeah. by the way, if you don't like it, it's fine. If you're a Stephen King fan and you don't like it, I get it. Yeah. Um, but if you are a Stephen King fan and you're hoping one day there's more Stephen King material out there, uh, <laughs> word to the wise. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you don't like it, that's fine. But don't crush it because you know what? You're not going to get another one. I know. Yeah, there won't be another one. Success begets success. You know, so, I mean, you know. maybe next week J.J. Abrams decides he's getting a podcast business and you're going to get the one you always wished for. There you go. Yeah. But not if you crap all over this one. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's how <laughs> so we finally get the Dark Tower. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's one of the things where you're like, I don't I, I don't understand it. But as yeah. we talked about before, we're like, I'll never say anything bad about anyone, you know, in mm-hmm. the press. It's just... It's not cool, number one. I know how hard it is to get anything made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for anyone to accomplish anything that gets a green light and for someone to go, I'll write a check to make that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a minor miracle, quite frankly. Yeah. So it's all good. But yeah. I, I was like, huh, I didn't expect that. Well, yeah. you've heard him. Constant listeners, go. <laughs> if you got some positive thoughts, bring them over there. You know, uh, yeah. boost those. But we hope we get more from you, Ali. This yeah. Is, thank you fun. so much, Lee, for chatting with us. This has been really lovely. I really appreciate you guys taking the time. And today, episode four came out. Uh, mm-hmm. There's eight episodes total. So, and there'll there'll be one more per week moving forward uh, until episode eight. And then, cool. We'll have more announcements coming soon. Sounds awesome. good. Good Sounds to good. hear. We'll definitely Thank keep you in touch. so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Of course. Talk soon. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Well, there it is, listeners. I hope you enjoyed the interview, and I hope you dig Strawberry Spring. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or via Patreon, patreon.com slash thebarons, where you can join the Losers Club Discord channel. We'd love to, to see you there. Until next time, long days and pleasant nights. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. I got some hot friends.
This has been a bloody disgusting show. Thanks for tuning in. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more.